Welcome. I'm Anastasia Glova, bringing you the Cato Daily Podcast. Full and edited versions of our podcasts are available on our website at www.cato.org. The Livestock Compensation Program was started in 2002 as part of an emergency relief plan to help farmers affected by drought. Costing taxpayers $1.2 billion, the program began doling out benefits to farmers completely unaffected by disaster conditions, and then to people who weren't even farmers to begin with. Cato Executive Vice President David Bowes comments. What's the connection between the Shuttle Columbia disaster and farm programs? Well, you wouldn't think there would be any connection. Um, It doesn't sound like it makes any sense, but in fact, there is. Back in 2002, uh, there was an election approaching, and the Bush administration decided they should do something for farmers and ranchers in states that had been hit by drought. So they passed a program. They created a program. They didn't go to Congress. They created a program to compensate farmers and ranchers who'd been hurt by drought. And then all the farmers and ranchers who had not really been hurt by drought started saying, oh, well, we'd like to end on this program. And so they expanded, and then Congress expanded it. And then they said, well, any presidential disaster declaration will qualify. And when the shuttle Columbia exploded over Texas, obviously there were a few people whose farms were damaged by that, and it was reasonable for the government to compensate them. But suddenly that opened up whole new counties where every farmer could say, well, I I'm part of this disaster area. So one of the many ways that this particular farm subsidy program expanded was all the counties in central Texas where the shuttle Columbia might have scattered debris became eligible for government payments. How much of the farm aid actually reaches farmers who were affected by the drought directly? Well, according to a Washington Post uh, survey in 2002 and 2003, the first two years of this program, just about half went to farmers in areas where there was no drought or only moderate drought. So let's say maybe half of it went to farmers who were in areas where drought was widespread and half didn't. How did this entitlement program balloon out to farmers who have no need and in some cases to people who don't even farm? Well, you know, it's a it's a basic public choice problem. When you start handing out government subsidies, everybody wants some. And at some level, everybody thinks, well, it's unfair. I pay taxes, and then the money's going to other people. So this is only one small part of the farm program. But this particular program first was supposed to report farmers and ranchers who had been hurt by drought in 2002. Now, it was done in like September of 2002. That was an election year. And it was done particularly to help John Thune, who was the Republican candidate for the U.S. Senate. So it's political from the very beginning. But then, as I say, everybody looks at this program and says, hey, there's a billion dollars. The government's handing it out. Let's try to get some of that. So they start sending letters. Governors and mayors start sending letters. Hey, we have problems here too. So they started expanding. And then Congress said, well, let's expand it not just to drought. We'll say any weather-related disaster declaration. could be hurricane or excessive rains or whatever. And then they said, or any presidential disaster declaration. So that doesn't even have to be weather, and that's how we get the shuttle Columbia as part of it. Disaster declaration, I suppose, could have been what happened on 9-11. And for all I know, the, you know, if we had that happen again, new people in New York City would get farm subsidies. So it's a, it's a typical thing where if there's money being handed out by the federal government, everybody wants to get their hands on it, and every member of Congress wants to be able to tell his constituents that he helped them get it. One of the things that happened with this program was pressure came down from the Department of Agriculture to the county agents saying, 
find something in your county that could be considered a disaster because then we can give money to farmers in your county. And, of course, the idea is that if the farmers are happy, they'll vote for the incumbents. And so it's all political. And it happens in lots of other areas as well. Lots of government programs start out with some narrow definition of who's at risk, who needs help, and then it just expands and expands because it's always easier to listen to the people who want to get money from the government than to listen to the taxpayers who probably don't even know this is going on. It's not as if it's gone unnoticed. The Washington Post, for example, ran a few stories on it. So why is this still happening? Well, that's an interesting question. There are hundreds and thousands of federal programs, and every one of them costs you 10 cents a year, a dollar a year, maybe even $10 a year. But even at $10 a year, you have better things to do than find out about them. Whereas it costs you, let's say, a dollar a year for each of these programs, but a small number of people get $10,000, $100,000, $1 million. They have an incentive to find out how the program works. They have an incentive to write their congressman, to go to town meetings, to make sure that their congressman knows that they're concerned about it. So on every single program, there are a small number of people agitating to get it and a large number of people not paying any attention at all to it. So In this case, yes, you're right. The Washington Post, one of the nation's most important newspapers, has been running lots of articles. So no member of Congress can say at this point that he doesn't really know that the farm program is a ridiculous waste of money because it's been on the front page of his hometown newspaper every day. And believe me, for a congressman, the Washington Post is his hometown newspaper, not the one back in his district. He doesn't live in his district. He lives in Washington. But why should he care? The Washington Post is telling members of Congress that they're wasting money on the farm program. But why should he care? As long as the people back in the district don't know it, they're not going to get mad about it. And even if they saw these articles and they sort of got mad one day, they probably won't sit down and get out a piece of paper and write a letter and find a stamp and find the address of their congressman and write to him. But you can bet the farm lobbies are going to write to him. So... People are always going to keep agitating for the programs that benefit them and not pay much attention to the programs that cost them a little bit each time. In a way, the more interesting question on this one is journalists know about this problem. Journalists are writing about it. Journalists all read the Washington Post, so they know about it. So why are journalists still so committed to the idea that every problem in the world demands a government program? And if I ask a journalist this, he'd probably say, well, we don't. We're not for every government program that gets created. Okay, maybe not. But it seems like there's still an instinct that, you know, when you find a person with a problem, you write about her problem, and then you write about the government program that somebody's proposing to solve it. They don't seem to pick up on the fact, read the Washington Post, read this article, realize that even if you think it's a good idea for the government to help people affected by drought, once you create the program, it's going to grow like topsy. It's going to expand and expand, and more people are going to be eligible, and you know that they shouldn't be getting these subsidies. So think about what these articles mean. They should be telling you it might be a bad idea to create government programs, even good government programs, because they're going to expand like this. Whereas charitable programs, money is limited, and charities are more likely to stick to their original mission. This has been Cato Daily Podcast. Thank you for listening.